Welcome along to Craggy Island Rugby. I'm Ron Murphy and we are back after a three-week break. We have rugby to discuss. Every time Connacht play, we'll have an episode. That's the current uh, line of things. Until we make it into the big time, then we'll just be having episodes left, right and centre. But anyways, uh, with me is the full crew. They're back. We're in the Westwood Hotel here on the edge of uh, Westside Goa City. And I'll bring Dave Finn in first because, uh, Dave, we tried to bring the podcast to you for a change. Thank you, you very you much. With the proper uh, normal hour job. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate that, Rob. Uh, nice to see you making make it back from your trip, sojourns ac- across across Europe. You made it back from La Rochelle very well. Thank you to Warren. Uh, sorry, he got left with the battery de- dealing issues this week. And uh, well, it's nice to see that your travel hasn't changed you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, do you know, Alan? You stayed up all night. You have a proper job too, sorry. Yeah, yes, yes, I do have a proper job as well, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're watching the cricket, watching Ireland get another famous victory Woo! in a World Cup. I stayed up properly. You fell asleep halfway through it. Well, I woke up three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started my day. Actually, I started my day in Wales, obviously, for the uh, Connacht-Letley match, which, which just so happens to be something we're discussing which happens to be the game that we are discussing and uh, yeah the day just went on so long that when I was going to bed at 6am I was like did we play Scarlet earlier was my main question William Davis you're very welcome along to this podcast you have a proper job but you work unusual hours so you could stay up and watch cricket yeah and I didn't actually um, get out of bed till uh, 20 past 12 today um, because, I, because I had spent the previous 72 hours sitting in front of my television watching Five rugby matches, a soccer match, an assorted cricket, and a couple of slow horses. <laughs> Alright, the lads have banned me from talking too much about cricket because I'd like to just turn this into a cricket podcast, such as my depression with the rugby that we watch, but as well as that, uh, possibly many other yeah, reasons. That's but... The Connacht rugby that we watched, okay, yeah, just, yeah. just to be young. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, Ireland was good, yeah. From my perspective, from a sporting perspective, from my, from my weekend, it's been quite good because we, uh, we had an Ireland win, we had a Liverpool win, we had a Cora Finn win. It was a very interesting game last night between in the other semi final. But it still feels a bit meh. And then you wake up and Ireland are beating the West Indies. And you're thinking, this is very good. That's it, yeah. And, uh, bizarre. It's like a good dessert to an average enough meal. Yeah, especially considering the only team that didn't... I mean, none of the victories were particularly spectacular, but everybody did the job done, apart from the one that we're all here to talk about. Oh, yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> this is not Cricket Rugby Weekly. This is uh, Craggy Island Rugby, and we're back after a three-week break, and we've switched sports, we've given up. <laughs> so if you do like uh, Connacht Rugby, well, look for another podcast. This is now Ireland's Cricket Podcast. So here's the first thing about Niall O'Brien's innings. Just gutsy, considering it's having such a... We, we better not carry this on. No, we better, we better move on. We hey, move can on. I make some... like? Let, let's use cricket as our metaphor throughout this chat, because there's a couple of interesting things uh, at different points. I'll, I'll point that out in a little bit more way in a few minutes' time. Phil Simmons has a job to do, and he's had a job to do to get a, a, sen- a sentimentality in that Irish cricket team that works for the real basic details. So... William, I'll start with you. We'll hear from Pat Lamb later. But Pat Lamb has a very similar kind of mentality too. It's all about processes. It's all about details. And that's probably explaining why after the game, when himself and Jay Keenan were, I won't say defensive, but they certainly weren't going to talk about the body language, the performance, the being off their normal high level of intensity. They talked about mistakes and errors. You know, the, the, the new trend, which is don't talk about the mentality side of things. Talk about the things that you can fix. Yeah, the, the thing that uh, Simmons points to the cricket side is everybody is responsible for what they do. And you're told what to do, and you either do it or you don't do it. But if you don't do it, that's when you get broken down. And it's easier to talk about that when you're winning. 
So when you lose, you tend then to start looking for the positives and momentum, and it, it just becomes uh, gobbledygook and garbage. Just yeah, yeah just to disagree. Only, yeah, that's slightly. Only, that's only to us, though. That's not in, amongst themselves. That's only to keep you know. Yeah. Yeah. But but the only thing I say that is he wasn't. One thing Pat Lamb doesn't do is he doesn't he doesn't look for positives. He, I, if anything, sometimes people will throw the old cliche question at him. Uh, any positives from that game? And he'll always almost kind of uh, you know shirk when he's lost because he's like, no, I'm not having positives. That's not the way he thinks. But what he does think is very like uh, Joe Schmidt in terms of after the New Zealand match. I'm not going to talk about the fact that Ireland always lose to New Zealand rubbish Ireland made five six key mistakes in the closing stages uh, Pat Lamb couldn't count the amount of mistakes I say iconic made no it was incredible and like, as, you, as you mentioned in the commentary and something I, I pointed out to you we've never won that away game after the break on January never in all our years we've only won two games after the break and they were both home games now surprisingly we've bounced back six times and won six times the, the following week away from home away from home yeah yeah, Somewhere at home, but no, hang on, I've got that breakdown. But half away from home was, yeah, it's about two, two away from home, and the rest of uh, rest at home. So you're still talking about a, a decent bounce back. Well, they need one. I think one of the things that struck me, if you were doing your planning for fixtures, is this is really the wrong time of the year to be playing three away games out of four in Wales, mm. I, and I know mom- momentum, that overused word, came from having home games. But really, Alan's just throwing that stat out. We desperately needed that game to be at home yesterday, no matter who we were playing. Yeah. Dave, it's, it's surprising to see see a Connacht team that we're getting so used to hitting their traps turn up with such a poor performance. I don't think we've played it well away from home this season in the Pro 12 in terms of as well as we played at home but we've got some good results we've always been competitive William pointed out before this game yesterday take the first half against the Ospreys we've even started games brilliantly at times started this one fairly well but after after the turnaround in the mall when we were going for a possible 10-0 lead the whole game changed yeah and I've never seen a yellow card change a game so completely against the run of play <laughs> again what's supposed to happen John Bartley commits a professional foul, gets a yellow card. Huge call from Matria against the home side. After three minutes, you're thinking, this is it. So then we butcher them all. We then go and score a fantastic try. Matt just runs through a knife through hot butter. Called back because Jay Keenan has thrown his shoulder into the out half to prevent him making, missing the tackle he was always going to miss. This was, which makes it even more disastrous. And it's then, um, there's no easy way to get away with it. It is a mentality issue. They threw, it's like they threw a collective strop. It's like, oh, it's not going to be our day. They then give away three ridiculously stupid uh, offensive uh, breakdown penalties, which means that automatically if something seems to be going wrong in the referee's mind, well, who's been committing the offences before? Therefore, they must still be committing the offences. So they throw it, get even more stroppy, and it's like their heads went down. And then, and then to just cap it all, when they do get a bit of a ball, one loose pass, 90 yards, down the other end, they just, I'm not saying they gave up but they just felt it's not going to be our day and they did nothing to pull it back and that was the first time that you're thinking they actually were beaten well before halftime and nothing Pat could say at halftime was going to pull it back Alan in all the key stats departments scrums perfect absolutely perfect really good scrums against them lineouts 13 from 14 I think I think they were 11 from 12 and then you start going through the meters game 450 for them 420 for us even the only thing I could see that really maybe was a contrast was defenders beaten they had beaten maybe 20 defenders through our 14 but we still beat about 14 you know that's just some of the stats off ESPN scrum so it definitely isn't in the numbers that we lost this game 
Well, we're, we're, it was the third week in a row now we've been below 85% in the, in the tackle successful rate, which is the oh, first you time. you found one! Seen. You found one I didn't look at! Yeah. <laughs> I thought I covered everything! one I've been looking at all, you know, I've been keeping an eye on all season. And we've been first, just, just, just say that again. Third week, in third week in a row we've been below 85% in tackle success rate. We've been roughly 88% all year. Okay. We've been into the 90s a couple of times, including against Edinburgh, even though we lost. But, you know, nine times out of ten, we've been in the, that sort of 88, 88 90%. We, once we, lost, we were down at 74 and won it, but that was one of the European games. We just seemed to miss a lot of tackles, and Jake Heenan missed four. I don't think I've ever seen Jake Heenan miss four tackles before, and one of them was really important because it gave them their, their initial momentum after we, we got it. But I think that, like you say, Dave was saying that, you know, our attitude was bad. That came from the lack of leadership on the field. That was the, the most headless I've seen us all year. Our work rate was down. We, 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 you know, when, when I have to say I was really disappointed with our captain when he had a real strap at the referee and he had a real go at him. Like, he, you know, first of all, he stamped. This, on, this is the know. yellow card for yeah. Muldoon, yeah. Yeah, he stamps. He stamps. Like, there's TV cameras everywhere. The players must know that. You can't put your foot going forward into, you know, okay, there was a guy lying on the ball, so rook him out. Yeah. Don't stamp on him. And that's what John tried to do. He stamped him. And I'd then like went to see on referees ref that a little bit better and penalise him straight away. But Absolutely, that's, that's yeah. yeah. I think, think the point about that was I think he was actually going to give straight him a yellow card and also yeah. penalty yeah. because I think he'd already seen the offence okay. uh, and trust the fact that he's refereed a very yeah. balanced throughout the game uh, because he's already yellow carded their captain after three minutes yeah. um, so John did lose it a bit and I didn't like, no, the point he was trying to make was that they'd done this repeatedly and they had done it a couple of other times but it's not good to see a captain no. shouting and the referee was very calm, he didn't he, he actually let him finish and he just said no I'm not having it and you're going off but it, at that stage that was a sign of a team that had just com- just about they just about imploded cricket analogy number two John Mooney was fined 50% of his match free for swearing audibly on camera today so that's a nice contrast between the sports words but you know it was interesting to see from an officialdom Marius Maitreya decided to just let him have his drop and let it speak for itself which I have to say is good refereeing in that moment I know people think I've had a go Maitreya on Twitter I had I said that we had presented him with an easy out because we'd made so many mistakes at the breakdown. That was what I was trying to say. I wasn't even Matria. I think Matria made one mistake in the game, and that was to do with the second try, which was... Oh, a knock-on. That was a knock-on. Yeah, that that should be a card. I think he's, very, he think he's one of the most underrated refs in the competition. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact is, in fact, is he's a Romanian based in Italy. He's got no chance of making it up the rankings. And I, he, I've, I saw three, ga- three full games this weekend. He was by far the best of the three referees, miles ahead of the two guys from a certain country who refereed the two games I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Fully agree. Fully agree with that. He's been excellent. And when he's refed us over here, I thought he's been excellent because he's fair. He's fair. He just sees it. He calls it. He does it, and he's calm about everything that he does as well. Yeah, and he seems to go to the guys at the right time. If, the, if they're taking too long, that's the other thing. If they're taking too long on the on the, the replay, he he questions it. What's going on? You know, he asked them, well, you know, come on, tell me what's happening here. Yeah, yeah. And then discusses it. No, I, I think he's a good ref. That's a fantastic point. Can I talk about leadership? Um, first of all, John Muldoon, that's really out of character, it should be said as well, because, you know, it's easy to 
defend him because he's so popular and he's such, I think every fan probably knows him because he talks to everyone and, and he's been such a hero for our team so when we're critical it's, it's very considered criticism uh, in terms of it's unusual but he, he it, it was out of character for him to, to lose oh, yeah, to lose his patient that much and what I want to talk to you about is I, I listen in American sports a lot they talk about leadership groups in certain sports in America they don't just talk about captains and I know you're not talking about John Muldoon when you say the leadership wasn't there yeah. but just about that the conic leadership group what is it where was it yesterday well, who, who when, are the players when, that you would put at, in a leadership group? When you're looking at a back line, that the oldest, the oldest guy in the back line was 25 and he was playing out of position because he'd been playing wing all season and the guy you'd like him to think. So he was struggling. You could see that, as Dave mentioned earlier, our line was our... Someone mentioned earlier, William mentioned earlier, our line not coming up. The Welsh guys had spotted our line wasn't coming up in, you know, properly. You know, he was slightly out of position, so... His leadership skills are taken away from him because okay. he's, and he's, he's not quite a there. leader. Dan, Danny on the wing, it can be, it can be. He's a good talker, Danny Pullman, yeah, and he's absolutely. helped our leader in the past and other players as well. Yeah, and of course, then Kieran went off relatively early. But I, I have to say, I think Kieran's a bit frazzled these days. He's not, he's not quite the same player he was before Christmas. Um, I think there's an awful lot of pressure put on him. Um, that that you know, because he, he's so good, and we rely on him quite a lot. But you know, but then going up to the Ireland camp, where there's no way that's a break. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just you know, from listening to what goes on in those camps and, and the amount of pressure that are put on the players, and you can see it's working. It's working. That's a great point. I sat beside Kieran Marmion on the plane on the way home, and it's nothing that he said. Nothing. That, it just made me think. You know, all the players were talking about the break that they were going. When I say on the way home, let me correct myself. On the way home from La Rochelle, yeah. and, and all the players were talking about the break that was coming. Yet there was Kieran Marmion having to get stuck back into a camp. It's a very different contrast. When you see people who've, who've put gone through the same amount of pain that you have, talking about relaxing and putting their feet up, it's tough. Yeah, it probably is. But he's a prof- he's a professional sportsman, so he he wants to be at the top level. No, I'm sure he's, he's shouldn't, uh, shouldn't want to be sitting on a beach. But no, no, no. I need to correct that. <laughs> yes. That's not what I meant. I, I, I meant more from the point of view of how the body feels. There's no question mentally he is fired up not to be going on that beach. But in terms of the body, maybe there's that psychological kind of the mind goes. When am I getting a break? Well, it, it might even just be the mind being tired, the, yes. the, the, the top 10%. Um, it must also be playing on his mind that he hasn't made the bench and it's a 37-year-old Isaac Boss that's on there. Mm-hmm. And that must be playing on his mind a bit because Owen Redden is going to come back at some stage. I'm assuming Redden and uh, Murray are the two main. But it's you can see Boss going to the World Cup now. And that's probably on in his head a little bit because he was being talked up as the the new. And he, I think he will. I think he will get there at some stage. Um, but he hasn't been playing well, and he hadn't done an awful lot yesterday. And he did get a bang. It would appear we didn't. That wasn't shown to us. But yeah, it's 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 tough at the top. Dave, you heard my big uh, debut on RT Radio yesterday. Uh, yes, I did, Gareth. Yes, I did. <laughs> Gareth. <laughs> what was his surname? Gareth, Gareth Davies. Gareth, um, yeah. Gareth Davies. Uh, RT did, did the game. They said, we're going to have a comment. We're going to have now Pat Lamb talking to Gareth Davies of BBC Wales. So I'm expecting, so they started with Pat, so I'm expecting these dulcet tones of the valleys to come through. They said they get the dulcet tones of the South Mayo valleys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'll have you know we're just just as good singers in, in San Leo, William, and then we're going to go up to order our coffee again because I really want some coffee. Uh, I think part of the other problem for John and some of the players have been around a while is that was just an atypical Connacht away performance from a couple of years ago. That's we've we've all seen them, and that was like a throwback. That's that's why I was actually 
angry. Gone after 35 minutes. Yeah, shot, gone, no tactics, no plan. Carved open by a team that seemed vastly more superior in terms of their skills. Well, they were made to look superior. We know they're not that far ahead of us. Well, I think the difference was they just played at a bit of a pace, and once they put a bit of pace on, we just, we were, as we discussed, we were falling off tackles. There was the wrong people in the defensive line. The intercept try, I think, was a planned move. Um, and it just showed a little bit of experience by Jack Carty because he either had to pass before the tackle or take the tackle, but not pass in the tackle. And if you saw it on TV, the fullback was running up as if he'd been told, this is what's going to happen. It's, it's slowed down going across the line. It wasn't a fluke. He meant that. It right, right Alan, I'm going to give you the recorder. I'm just going to go up and try and get those coffees and teas. Oh. On you go. Cheers, Rob. Um, yeah, thanks for the warning on that one. <laughs> and you're not even getting the coffee. <laughs> no, I'm not even getting the coffee. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, I think that the thing that surprised me most was was the lack of work rate. It's something that was mentioned over and over and over again early in the season. Was that it was work rate, work rate, work rate, and that just seems to have suddenly died off. Now, whether it was just a post, you know, coming back from holidays break that, as I say, we've never won an away game like that. Um, I don't know. We'll, I suppose we'll see you next week because with the Dragons winning, all of a sudden they're that much closer to us. Oh yeah, Cardiff you know? is still right there. Cardiff are not that. Well, they're far. not right there. They're, they're within ten points, but it just could turn around very quickly. It's going to sound very boring because I'm going to say it again. But this, this, the fundamental nub of this is we don't win enough away games, and we never have. Yeah. And we put ourselves under so much pressure then in home games because we we're almost look, the season is 22 games. You can almost take out the three away uh, interpros. So now we have to win 11 or 12 games out of 19. We might win the two away Italian games. We snuck a win in Edinburgh, but we haven't laid, snuck a win in Treviso too. Yeah, and we haven't really laid a glove. I know we we played reasonably well at Glasgow, but we were well beaten. We Ospreys yesterday. That must frustrate, and it, and, and and particularly somebody like John Muldoon and the other players have been because that's five years ago. You could say the same thing, okay. and we and we haven't tackled we haven't tackled that issue, and it's. It's going to come into the four now because we've we've got to win two out of the next three games. We've got to. Let, let me jump in there because I do want to chat about what's to come and maybe just talk about the overall league position and, and do a bit of kind of a results guessing and a kind of a looking forward. So we'll do that in a second. Also, we'll preview the Dragons. Pat Lamb spoke to me afterwards uh, and Garrett Davies as well. And uh, he let me ask the questions for Plato. And I also spoke to Jake Heenan, which we might talk about afterwards too, because it was interesting just to, first of all, hear from Jake Heenan. It seemed positive that he was back to full fitness and maybe had a different kind of perspective on it. Certainly a more positive perspective on some of the, some of the elements of the game than, than we might have had. All right, Pat, first of all, your initial thoughts after what was probably an unusually poor Connacht performance away from home? Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, we talked about applying pressure and that, and we, um, you know, we came down here and uh, we actually got off to a pretty good start. Um, and, uh, you know, when Matt Haley went over, well, we, we had a roll out chance of scoring the rolling more disappointed and obviously when they gave that uh, penalty away and got a yellow card um, although we got that we were disappointed we should have scored and we did, and then on the back of that we Matt Haley scored and they get pulled back for a silly silly um, you know discipline 
Um, and then the game sort of ch- changed from there. We started making a few errors, and um, you know, and then uh, we let in some soft tries. You know, with one o- overthrow, one intercept, and um, and not marking up on one side as well. You know, we bite, we bit on. So you know, we, we were the enemies, uh, our own worst enemies, if you like. So um, yeah, disappointing. The first four penalties from Connacht were all conceded in terms of Connacht in possession, after feet twice, holding on once, and one probably a bad discipline in terms of when Healy looked like he had scored, but it looked like it was a push in the back as well. Yeah, it's, it's those, we, 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 we talked about away from home, you've you got to be spot on with your discipline, and, and um, you know those sort of things change the momentum of the game, all four of those things, so, so that was a real killer for us. Just in terms of maybe as, as the game started to get away from Connacht, you know, there's a lot of confidence in this camp, but it didn't seem to be in evidence on the pitch today. Well, I think, you know, I think at the end of the guys tried to play, but what happens is we're only as good as people executing their roles, and uh, you know, and we had some uh, passes go down. We had, uh, um, you know, uh, there, was, there was certainly a lot of holes and opportunity. And once the game got away from us, we just needed to play, and um, unfortunately, we, we didn't execute that well. So we need to park this as a, as a game where we didn't get four points, we gave away five, and now we um, need to regroup and get back and, and get back on the horse and uh, get ready for next week. It's interesting looking at the lineups. This is a very similar set of lineups for both sides that played in Galway, where Connacht certainly were the better side on the day in a scrappy game, but a huge difference here. What's the difference between the Scarlets away from home well, to it's home? Not, it's not the same lineup. We don't have Bundy O'Key or Mills Mulliane, who played last time, and uh, and obviously uh, Old McKeon, Sam Bully Falloon. So there's a, there is a big change in, in, in the lineup. But um, you know, and, and, you know, and some of that experience counts. We had a, quite a young group out there, and, and that's the, and that's the challenge for as we go through. But we'll just go through that process, and uh, um, you know, certainly when you're in the heat of the battle, some experienced heads helps at, at times. But ultimately, we you know, guys have a chance, and uh, and as a team, we uh, we didn't execute well, and and um, the, the flow of the game changed dramatically around the discipline, as you mentioned. In terms of why you're parking it then, is it as much because of that team, the young team that was out there and because of the fact that it's probably out of kilter with the form overall of the side that you're not going to dwell too much on and be too critical of them? Well, no, it's, it's, I think we, we park it because we've we got to move on. Yeah. If you, if you, you know, we, we're, we're, Same thing, it's no different when we win a game, we go through and what, what's gone well, what, what hasn't gone well and take the, um, take the learnings and, and get ready for the next game because uh, otherwise... Um, you know, you, uh, you end up, um, you know, you don't move on and you end up struggling. So still a long way to go and we just got to get ready and get some points next week. Jake Keenan, well, first things first, it's great to see you back. That's 80 minutes. It's been a while. How do you feel after it? Made it feel good. We've had a couple of, uh, of good runs with the Eagles over mm. the last couple of weeks. So I've been able to get my match fitness back and, and get a few really good whacks on the shoulder. Um, that was a fast game. I think I, uh, I could be the fittest man in the world and I would have been blowing out there. So, um, uh, But, mate, you know, it was great. And it was great to have a, uh, a, a game like that, I suppose, for me coming back, where it is uh, a high-tempo game, a very physical game, and to get through 80 is, is pleasing. They specifically picked a couple of uh, natural open siders in Shingler, Man of the Match, and James Davis to attack the breakdown. I suppose you felt that from an early stage in terms of the intensity from the home sider. Yeah, they're a good team at the breakdown, and I think what uh, what makes Scarlets uh, even better at the breakdown is, is they've got those boys in the, in the midfield, uh, Regan King and, and Hadley Parks, who got on the ball as well. So, um, so you know, this is the type of the day at the office where you uh, you know you can't switch off for a minute, otherwise. Uh, They'll have it. Big turning point early doors. You get the extra man. You have a chance to to maybe make a count, and they got a big turnover. And Connick seemed to be rattled by that. Uh, I don't think rattled is the right word there. I think um, you know we started really well uh, in our systems, and, uh, and and we probably just let off a little bit. Uh, we gave away a, a couple of cheap penalties. 
um, you know, let the pressure off them and, uh, and, and for Venice, credit to them, they were able to keep the pressure back on us. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think that was a bit of a turning point and that's, that's probably a moment where, um, you know, that we'll look at and, and just look at how we could have um, applied a little more pressure within our systems. Did you have to force it a bit more once they get an intercept try? Is that, is that where the game started to really get away from you? I don't think so, mate. I think, um, you know, we were working towards our structures. Again, you know, credit for them. They, they put good pressure on us and they, they didn't make anything easy for us. Um, you know, I think we were able to, to play our way back into the game. You know, I felt early in that first half, even if they had, um, you know, sort of that 20 points on us, we, we still felt in the game. Um, it was just, you know, the game got on a bit and... Uh, you know, and we need to hold on to the ball a bit more, I suppose, and, and that's where we, we started to use it a bit more. In, in terms of that, how frustrated are you then? Are you kind of looking at it as something that you can address in the next week and, it, and it's not as maybe bad as the scoreline might suggest? 100%. You know, we, we're definitely able to, uh, you know, to address our, our mistakes in our systems. And, and I think it's shown this season that when we're in our systems, uh, we're capable of beating any team in the world, you know, and, and, and we all genuinely believe that. Um, I genuinely believe that. So it's just about, you know, looking back, coming in on, on Tuesday... Um, having a look at the video and, and having a look how um, in these moments we can get back into our systems and, and just uh, affect them a bit more again to put more pressure on, on the opposition another, another tough trip to Newport next week then. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier mate easier, no. um, but hey look that's, that's why we love the job you know, and that's why uh, you know and uh, I think all the teams now um, around this this you know, similar points to us. Mm. Uh, obviously, Edinburgh with a great win, and, and Scarlets are, are playing really good rugby. You know, and I, I don't think we can take anything for granted now. Um, yeah, so we, we really have to front up every week. Um, I think we're back over to Cardiff a couple of weeks later. So, um, you know, so, so every game is huge for us um, in this block. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'd say the boys are, are excited to come back anyway. The voice of Jay Keenan, who is not. Adverse to doing a few interviews and very comfortable with it, isn't he? He's a very good, interesting, very, very, very young, very interesting, very confident, very composed. Okay, composed after what he did yesterday, but normally 99.9% of the time, very composed, very intelligent. Clearly thinks about his rugby, thinks about his presentation, sees himself. It's probably how you would want your professional players to be. Um, very good guy. Actually, there's one thing you have to say, but you never hear about any instance with comp. They're very, very professional. Most of them are good quiet guys off the pitch lunatics on the pitch which is what you want uh, he, brings, he brings an interesting thought to it because he has come through the Auckland system he has come through a New Zealand system we don't necessarily see that a lot of our lads come through you know small clubs in the west of Ireland they're not used to this level of it you're not expecting anybody to be able to make a speech the only speech a lot of these guys are thinking about is maybe in another world they might be making a North Ireland speech so it's nice to hear a young man with that level of professionalism both on and off the pitch I was watching the West Indies captain who's only like 23 years of age yesterday second cricket it's probably third cricket reference I'm firing away here he was captain of the uh baby all blacks as you just were pointing out quietly in the background yeah well did they call them the baby all blacks they call they? them the, the can they call them the baby no they call them the baby blacks which oh. i think is well every new zealand team is black except, except for the soccer team which are the whites <laughs> um, white caps for the white caps the um black caps sorry yeah we we Talking about leadership, I mean, young Holder, who's the captain of the West Indies, 22, trying to hold together a completely fractured side. I thought he looked a beaten, shattered chap yesterday, and he's a very good potential cricketer. But that's, if you want to look at how not to do it, I suspect already the sports psychologists and management people are looking at the West Indies cricket team and saying, no, this is how you go completely wrong. You alienate your fans, your sponsors, uh, and your players. 
Whereas Connacht, you're reading out Jay Keenan for an interview there. He's only 22, but they've identified him as a good speaker. We're talking about leadership group. He's in the early stages of being in that. Robbie Henshaw talks about that in Ireland in terms of the leadership groups and learning about different elements of that. So I'm sure that's all part of a pathway, but it's about timing, isn't it? It absolutely is. And it's also very uh, noticeable. I watched the under-20s match on Friday night which was a fabulous game of rugby. It was a bit mental, but it was really, really good. It was 20s rugby the way 20s rugby should be played. The first time in years I've seen it. It was great to see. And the thing about that was that the interviews at the end of that were fantastic with the Irish kids. We don't have that much time. Hey, Ireland, Ireland beat France. That's worth talking about. Give them a bit of air time. They don't get a lot of coverage. Who? Ireland? Yeah. <laughs> well... Depends. It's all Connacht, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah, it is with us, it is with us. And, and why is it all Connacht with us? Because nobody else knows anything about Connacht. <laughs> yeah, so someone has to talk about Connacht. That said, uh, William, you know, bad weekend. It was, a, it was an excellent performance. It was a very hard game of modern rugby. Um, Robbie Henshaw leading the tackle count. I thought he had a phenomenal game. And that's, all right, maybe I'm wearing my Connacht hat, but he threw himself into the the plan that they had um, got a bit shaky towards the end but I've been watching Six Nations Rugby that's my 46th Six Nations season or Five Nations stroke Six Nations season that's only the 7th or 8th time we've beaten France so I don't care I'll take any win over them and I don't care how it comes or by what margin it is Two quick things I heard the, the head of sport in today FM saying he uh, saying this morning he doesn't like attritional rugby I thought that game yeah it wasn't a purest game it wasn't throwing the ball around I was captivated from minute 1 to minute 80 including the 5 minutes where I had to walk between pubs because I was told I was in one place and I found out I was in the other and secondly Jeremy Guscott put Rory Cockett as his number 9 of the weekend which is just in Jeremy Guscott has taken a bang to the head despite not playing rugby no understanding how Cockett is his number 9 when he shouldn't even be the number 9 for France power completely changed that game yeah, well, it, just, it, just, it just goes to show that Guscott doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, it's true. And another man who doesn't know what he's talking about is Matt Williams. Uh, you know, at times he can talk great sense, but his article this week in the Irish Times, which amounted to, uh, why do we have to have scrums? Why can't we just have backs running? I mean, seriously, Matt, just rugby league is there for you, and it's not a bad sport. Yeah, that's, that, that's, exactly, that's exactly my thought at the end of it. Yeah. Go and watch rugby league, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, it was incredible, actually. If you didn't read it... I would like to point out, though, there is an awful lot of time spent on what is effectively the rugby equivalent of the indirect free kick. That is an issue. There's way too much time spent No, no, on. he's right. But, but he, and and that's, that was one of the points I'm making. Like, since we dissect his article a little bit more. Proper order, the scrums are... Uh, there's too, much, too, much, too many penalties in the scrums, too many breakdowns. But the, the problem is, if you talk like Matt Williams talking about, and you just talk about them solely as a restart, then you're missing the point of the fact that rugby is a great sport when it's played in an open running game and when it's a battle of attrition, attritional values or whatever. Yeah, it's, 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 all, it's ongoing and endless. One way that could uh, concentrate the team's minds a bit is if the referee just stopped the clock every time there was a problem at the scrum. Because that would stop the... Ooh, yeah. the, the just say, stop the clock. It, sometimes they do when they're going to issue one of their little tutorials. <laughs> um, Don't get that from Marius Maitreya. No, the other interesting thing and with international rugby, the referees are marked very harsh after every game because they're all looking to get to the World Cup. So you had Wayne Barnes following the letter of the law as, as he interpreted it. So we had penalties for this and he was completely fair to both sides and he blew up in exactly the same number of seconds at each breakdown if somebody had done something wrong. But he's doing that because he doesn't want to be pulled up by the assessor. 
Mm. That continues on then to the scrum, where they they just want the scrum done and dusted. So you can feed the ball to the number eight's feet if you want. We actually see occasionally at Pro 12 referees who referee that correctly. But at international level, I think they just simply want to get the scrum done because they don't want to be seen to have reset. The referees are probably pulled up. Why did you reset eight scrums? All right, listen, we're running out of time. So uh, if you had to think about your rant, maybe, unless you want to make one final point. No, I'm fine. I think it ties in with, if you're being assessed consistently... Why then do you would you cite players who get yellow cards? Surely, it's, it, in, in football, they have the rule: if you get a second yellow card, you cannot complain about it. It's yeah. done. It's done. But you have the situation where John theoretically can get can, can be cited. I don't know if he has been cited yet. This is Monday evening, so I don't know if he's been cited yet. He would. He would have. You could say yes. Fair enough. He could get cited. We know Pape's been cited, and sh- because that should have been a red card. But the worst inconsistency is the two yellow cards in the Scotland Wales game. Finn Russell has been cited. Uh, Jonathan Davis hasn't it's inconsistent and if you are talking about making making referees the final arbitrary you then don't go and say well actually you got it right but you didn't get it right enough that makes no sense citing should be I do not understand when it changed I completely missed when it was changed but I thought citing was initially brought in for the stuff the ref didn't see that's what they need to go back to the stuff he doesn't see yes if he gets it wrong it should be red instead of a yellow we can get angry you can still suspend guys on yellow cards do it then but don't go and say not only is it a yellow we'll make it an even stricter yellow because you were right but you weren't right enough it was fry ref's heads good good rant um, you're not getting the rant at the end now after that but anyways listen we have to uh, we have to finish this podcast and we have to get back on to Connacht for a second because you know there's a, a lot of big games coming up Dragons away next week Theresa at home then Cardiff away there is still a situation where Connacht are holding on to 6th place by dint of the fact that they've won more games than the Scarlets even though they're level on points and the point behind your Edinburgh and you can't rule out Cardiff with the Dragons and you've got to be worried that like it's very easy to be pessimistic right now isn't it Yes, because we've lost the last two Pro 12 games. Back before Christmas, we said we had to win two of that four pod that finished with the Edinburgh game. We didn't. We only beat Munster. We had one of our cup tie performances, and then we were awful against Edinburgh. It's depressing how similar to the seasons gone by everything has been. Basically, since we landed in the RDS way back in December, everything has just gone to the same old script. In terms of results now, not Yeah, and that's why the sixth place is so important because next season will be Groundhog Day again if we're still playing in the Champions And there's issues about how we'll compete in the top league of European rugby, but we have to get there. There has to be a tangible outcome to this season, and I'm starting to doubt it a bit at the moment. Well, yeah, we've only won two and seven, so you know we do need to we do need to get. And, and one of those was um, La Rochelle. So <laughs> um, you know, yeah, the, the league sort of form has come off the, the the rails a little bit, and yeah, we definitely need to win in in Newport. But we've done that quite regularly. We've only lost one in the last three over there. If I'm right, I'm not sure. I yeah, think I, I am. Yeah. I look at their win against Leinster as a positive because it wasn't as if this is a really strong Newport side playing Leinster off the park. They they were gutsy and they were determined, but they probably might even relax them mentally a little bit for this one. You'd like to think, but we definitely need to go back to where you know, as I say, we, we've lost ten of twelve games, first game back, but then won six and threw two of the next lot. So like we're, you know, we we have a record of bouncing back in this second game afterwards. So hopefully we'll get it. 
Dave, we'll start with you and we'll go around the table. I'm worried just about the mentality of the team. We're not going to get Pat Lam or any of them to, or any of the lads to start talking about that. And I understand they talk about processes, as I said already, but but psychologically, just you know, never mind psychologically, just body language on the pitch. Even when Kier Murmy threw that ball into touch, watching the entire team just drop their heads in that first half, you knew they were beaten. Then I haven't seen that at all all season. No, no, none of us have. Even even the performances in Glasgow and, and the Ospreys where we just fell apart in the last mm. 20 minutes. Up until 60 minutes, we were very competitive and we, yeah. we were winning both of those games. Yeah. Um, I'm sure in private, they have absolutely... Children... <laughs> remember, we've got children listening to this. Yeah. They absolutely will have gone through them each other about their mental issues. I cannot imagine that. I say, whatever the process won't change from week to week. There's not enough time to change the process from week to week. But mentality, I say, it's all been about mentality, all been about body language. And also, could go back to the La Rochelle game. We scored two tries in five minutes to, to get ourselves not only the win, but into the next round. That's the mentality we look for. It's there. That, that's what made that Sunday, Sunday so disappointing. That hadn't happened all season. There was panic, there was flusterness. I think this is what they're going to focus on all week, and I think it'll be a completely, it should be a completely different mindset this weekend. Even allowing for some of the problems is reasonable to suggest that this team could still uh, get their next two wins and go into Cardiff back on track, but they're going to have to get a lot right from what we saw against Scarlets A, to win in Newport, and B, to even be competitive by the time they reach the Cardiff game. Yes. Um, there should be a reaction, and there should be a positive reaction. Um, but I, I don't know. There was something about yesterday that was just particularly galling. Um, but they, they, look, they'll have to just park that and move on. They've got to win two out of the next three games. They've they'll they'll they'll, they'll beat Treviso here. They've got to win either in the Dragons or at Cardiff. And for me, they have to perform in Cardiff as well. You know, you want to see the performance levels. I think one of the things we want to see is get them back to the same intensity, same execution. And then after that, the results, we'd nearly accept some of the disparities between the abilities. That Scarlet team might be missing six players, but they have a lot of talent. Yeah, and there's also, you know, is that the first time they've ever travelled away and played at quarter to one in the afternoon? Without question. I can I can it's vouch for weirdest, that. No question. Weirdest time that I've ever seen a game played and that has to have an effect on body clocks and you know when they were eating they were probably up at six in the morning eating a ton of pasta to try and make sure they had enough stuff during the day. And maybe maybe that was part of it as well. I don't know. Well, they started well though. Yeah. Well coming soon we have a home game against Glasgow with a five past one kickoff. I know. I mean seriously like there's no interest anymore. Can I can I start the rants? Treviso fifteen minutes after the England and Ireland game. Like going and they, played, they made the Dragons play away to Leinster initially at the same time when Wales are playing. Do they do they realise that the Pro 12 is is rugby union and the Six Nations is rugby union? Do they understand that they're the same sport? Well, is it, is it a case that is this part of the clubs trying to <laughs> trying to sort of bring this thing that well, you know they want there was to, about like 110 people at the Colletti no there wasn't it was about 1,500 which is an amazingly low crowd and I was saying how quickly they left the stadium I too the Munster the Munster game there was hardly anyone at that I was flicking by I wasn't allowed to stop I was just flicking oh. through something and I wasn't so allowed to stop for so long <laughs> uh, but I did notice there was hardly anyone at that match as well you know considering there's hardly been any games in Cork well the attendance for the Leinster Dragons game was 15,025 so I have absolutely no <laughs> doubt whatsoever <laughs> that 15,000 people were in there also they gave the man of the match to Dave Carney listen people who gave the man of the match to Dave Carney I didn't see the game I don't care you give it to one of the Dragons players I don't care if Leinster dominated I don't care if they played amazing rugby a man of the match is it a load of shit matter. man of the Match is the greatest so rubbish it ever. It's, it's like I've started to enjoy the Six Nations because I now look at it as entertainment, not as sport. Sorry. There's so much that goes on around it the TV, the fireworks, 
the red carpet, the, everything that goes on about it. Like one of the things, one of the things of, of you know you hear about the guys doing the warm ups. It's very set. They have to do start the warm up at the same time every week. They have to you know so that they finish about two minutes before they go in, come back out, and they're ready to go. Ireland and and um, France walked onto the field 11 minutes before they kicked off. So what's the point of the warm up if you're going to be 11 minutes? Standing around. It's pageantry. It's, it's also not good for the players. Like if they've been doing this all year and they do it everything, then they come to this and they're eleven minutes. Similar oh. thing. Another issue to me came up in the. Get Eng- ready for your rant, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> it came up in the Eng- England Italy game. The unfortunate incident, uh, the injury to Mike Brown. Play stopped for nearly nine minutes in the rain. The players are just standing around. They didn't seem to know what to do. I was thinking at some stage. You really need to t- either t- take these guys off the pitch or get them into tracksuits or tell them to go down the other end of the pitch because they were just standing around chatting as if they were at a, at, at a convention because it went. they were going through the protocols. He'd had a bad hit on the head. But I thought, this can't be good for professional sportsmen to have started. Now they're standing around just getting wet. All right, lads, uh, anything else? Anything else? Something unrelated to the weekend? Well, something related to the weekend, but unrelated to what we've talked about so far. You've ranted enough, Alan. <laughs> well, do you want me to rant about West Ham? Oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is not a soccer podcast. It could drift into a cricket podcast. If, uh, <laughs> final thought, just, just, a, just a thought. We're not good enough to be playing Champions Cup rugby when the Scarlet's are missing six players. You have to say this. You have to answer this quickly, all of you. When the Scarlets missing six players, and we're struggling because we're missing a couple of guys in the backs, but yet we have to make it because we really do need to break through. It's the chicken and egg format, isn't it? We're better off in the Challenge Cup in terms of the standard rat, but we need to get to the Champions Cup to move this forward. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's a men- it's a mentality thing, though. It has to be a mentality thing. You can't you can't play it at the level we played at in quite a few games this season and then just switch off. That's that's, that's just a mentality. The Scarlets were at full strength yesterday. I bet, I bet any money we would have put in a better performance. Yeah, that's a possibility. Um, but they, the Champions Cup sounds like a bit of a holy grail. But if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, and that's just playing at the same level, Pro 12, Challenge Cup, we're going to be sitting there this time next year having the same conversation. And I also think if you get into it, you might actually be able to attract a few more players. I think it's, that's going to be a big draw factor, especially after the World Cup. I'll tee you up for the final point, Dave. Unlike other times when we got to the European Cup, this time we'd earn it. And I guess that'd be one of the first times we've ever gone out onto a rugby pitch over the course of the season and earned something major. Indeed. And I mean, I think William's absolutely nailed on the head. We, need to, we don't have the strength and depth. We've a lo- Our strength and depth is good local lads, but we don't have the academy systems. We don't have the traditions. We don't have 100 years of minors playing rugby and producing sons who played rugby. We just don't have that. We need to have something to draw players in. Pat's personality and the conic system will get some players in. The fact that Mills has come, Dan Parks has come, is going to get us in. But... I mean, we don't want to be left with players who are available next season. No offence, but Peter Stringer is available. I don't want us to see to go after Peter Stringer. I want us to go to go after the guy who is Peter Stringer of 20 years ago and is, is a 20-year-old. We need to be in the Champions Cup so that we can get there. Just, just, just to finish, this is different from last season and any other season. We're still relevant, as you've been saying, Rob. Yeah. We're still relevant. We're still in sixth place. Even after all that, we're still in sixth place. Yeah. And that there's still that opportunity to go out and you know do something special. And that's as good a point as any to finish. Thanks, lads. Cheers.